0: Our Lexi for today is sidrophos. Sidrophos, or companion. Dogs, as one of humans' most popular companions, facilitate thoughtful and unconditional friendships. Canines serve as terrific activity partners. If you're searching for an ideal companion, research and get to know a French bulldog. Easygoing and friendly, the French bulldog makes an ideal companion. The Frenchie doesn't require a big yard or room to roam. Certainly this breed of doggy will benefit one or two solid walks a day. And furthermore, Frenchies are known to be calm and relaxed. Wondering what your companion may look like? A French bulldog is about 11 to 13 inches high. It weighs about mm, 19 to 28 pounds and has a distinct appearance. Its head is compact and large with a short snout And this little cutie has ears that stand erect. So adorable. I like to say that French bulldogs are even-tempered and they do have a little attitude. But listen, your acidrophos should match your personality. So do your homework before bringing home your little buddy. This is Kira Moran, president of Kingdom Farms and proud sponsor of Kefi Life. Kingdom Farms provides organic meats, poultry, and fish throughout the USA. Kingdom Farms has been blessed for 52 years with providing the highest quality foods to all our customers. Please contact Kingdom Farms for your culinary needs at www.kingdomfarms.com. Introducing the brand new QuadPod Podcast Network. We're adding new podcasts every day. Visit qodpod.com and meet our podcasters. That's qodpod.com. I think dogs are the most amazing creatures. They give unconditional love. For me, they are the role model for being alive. Pretty profound, wouldn't you say? Those words came from Gilda Radner, who was a former actress-comedian, for the people that are old enough to remember she was on Saturday Night Live, used to love her skits. And uh, she herself, I think, had a pet therapy dog, not sure, but I know she did have a dog. Pretty profound. Today, dogs have the spotlight with harmonizing the mind, the body, and the soul. But you know what? Dogs go beyond balancing. They touch the heart and they heal too. A concept that I learned about recently is a heartwarming form of emotional and physical support for healing, and it's called pet therapy. I'd like to introduce you to the communications marketing manager for a look-see while she works at Canine Core Therapy in Chicago. And Ann Davidson is here with us to take a look-see at the facility, the training, and talk about pet therapy. Welcome, Ann Davidson. Thank you
1: so much for having me.
0: It is my pleasure. I'm really excited about this topic. I don't know a whole lot about it. I recently learned about it um, through somebody who was in the hospital and had cancer and there was a dog that came by to like make the person feel better. And I'm like, I got to explore this and find out what this pet pet therapy is. So Take it away. What is pet therapy, Ann Davidson? So um,
1: pet therapy is when an animal is brought into a setting such as a nursing home, a hospital, a school, or a social service institution. And what most people think of when they hear the term you know, pet therapy is animals that are there to provide well-being and emotional support. They have a very broad training. Um, they usually are going out with their owner slash handler um, to these facilities, Um and they just help to reduce stress, uh, decrease loneliness, you know, especially with people in nursing homes who maybe don't get visitors very often, increase that feeling of connection to the
0: community and help to form some social bonds. So let's talk about how a dog becomes a therapy dog, what kind of training do they receive? So there's no set
1: training process, at least at our our organization. Um, but they do have to pass a certification exam to become a therapy dog. And that covers obedience, temperament, um, and things like that. So we're looking for dogs who have a very strong, um, obedience background, um, They really only need to know, you know, sit down, stay and come nothing crazy, but they have to be pretty impeccable at those things. So for example, in our test, we have an exercise where all the dogs are lined up and they have to sit while the owners walk to the other side of the room and stay there for a full minute. And the dog has to hold that sit the entire time and walk back. And then the owners walk back to the dog. So, you know, it's nothing, it's simple things, but they have to be done you know, really well, um, and temperament is of course extremely important as well. Um, we want the dogs who are going to enjoy this kind of work, so we make sure that they are friendly towards people, that they enjoy interacting with people, um, that they don't mind being touched in a variety of different ways, um, because we want them to enjoy this work as well. And of course, it wouldn't be very therapeutic if you had an animal come into your facility because you were lonely and they didn't want to spend time with you. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my, that would be terrible. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, that would be terrible. But you know what dog I think of? I have a dog and she's a black lab. She's a British black lab. Beautiful. Oh my God. Anne! I adore this baby girl. And I believe that she would be a good therapy dog because of the love and compassion that she shares. And she does like being around our family. But do you find that there's a certain breed of dog that makes the most compatible or loving or affectionate type of pair parent- of the pet therapy dog?
1: We like to say that all dogs are individuals and we try to treat them as such. Um, However, I would say that we have probably the most of um Labradors, golden retrievers, and you might be surprised to hear pit bulls. Um, and I think pit bulls, I'm shocked. <laughs> I think it is because many pit bull owners are actively trying to change the perception of the breed and show all the great things that they can do. Um, So, so we have some fantastic um, pit bull therapy dogs and they, they're wonderful because, you know, they come into these therapeutic settings and of course people, some people have a perception about pit bulls and what they're going to be like. And then when they see them absolutely just melt when people want to touch them and how they just receive that affection and give that affection back. um, It just, you know, opens people's minds up (laughs) to what that breed can do.
0: And and it's really true that when you have a pet, I know that you have one, I have one, that they greet you, they welcome you, they love you unconditionally. My dog happens to be super patient. Mm-hmm. She will she will not bark. She will stare at the door to go outside and just face the door. We did not train her not to bark or to behave that way, but she she behaves so respectfully and so kindly. It's almost shocking. And I think it has to do with the breed of the dog. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, certainly there, there are a lot of things that are baked into breeds that you have to be aware of um, when, you, when you select a dog. You know, a lot of people just look at the dog and they think, oh, what a cute looking dog, and they pick that one without understanding what that dog might, you know, what the purpose that dog might be bred for. And you, you said it was a black
0: Labrador. Uh, yeah, she's a British black lab, yeah. Yeah,
1: Labradors are notoriously, they're easy to train because um, they're bred to be hunting dogs, they're bred to retrieve. So when you are in a hunting setting, if your dog is extremely vocal and making a fuss, that's going to scare all the, all of your birds away or whatever it is you're hunting. Um, So they have to be bred to have, um, you know, be quiet, to wait and listen for instruction, not to be like independent minded, like some breeds are. Um, And they also have to have a soft mouth because when they retrieve, they don't want you know teeth marks in whatever they're retrieving um, so those are you know some things that are baked into the labrador breed that do make them well suited for things like therapy dog work
0: gosh and i thought my dog was special but anyways <laughs> <laughs> no, no they that, are <laughs> that that makes complete sense and that really really does what about the dogs that are trained by the handlers who are the handlers what type of experience do they have or do they have to have an easygoing personality?
1: Um, so all of our dogs are um, owned by their volunteer handlers, and they have a wide variety of different backgrounds. Most of them are not you know, professional dog trainers or therapists or clinicians. They're just lay people who wanted to be able to give back to their community.
0: What, what about like, okay, let's say somebody wanted to um, bring in their own dog as, and train it as a pet therapy, could they do that or would they bring it to canine therapy core? How does that work? And like, how do you, do you hire this, the service how does that all go?
1: Sure. Um, I'm going to try to break that, break those questions down. So, um, Yes. People can definitely come to us with their existing dogs to make them therapy dogs. And we do have um, a wide variety of training classes and options to help them accomplish that. Um, We have puppy through advanced training classes in a group setting. We do private lessons. We also offer day training. So we have a lot of support that we provide. We're not, you know, some people are can and do train their dogs on their own to become a therapy dog. but we do have a lot of support that we can provide to people um to make sure that they are um, that they they are getting the support they need to get through that certification exam. Um, terrific.
0: And then, like if if a hospital or somebody's in the hospital and they want they call you and they say, we'd like to have a therapy dog stop over. Yeah.
1: So we do not charge for our services. That's something we're very proud of since we founded in 1991. We've never charged for our services. We don't take insurance because we want to be able to give therapy dog services to the people that need it most and not just people who could pay extra for something like that.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. So uh, what has been the reception of the people that experienced that that service of a therapy dog coming by their hospital room or the nursing home, et cetera.
1: The reception has been fantastic.
0: Um, You know,
1: I regularly do like school visits before final exams and, you know, sometimes I'll get people who tear up at the dog, especially if they're like a college student who has been away from their family and their pet for a long time. Um, We also get really good feedback from the facilities that we work with um, when we do you know, more formalized programs that are goal-directed.
0: It's just, it's really heartwarming to see a person who feels a little bit, I don't want to say, well, despondent or sad, and the dog comes in and they wag their tail and they, they kind of have that bubbly essence. And then all of a sudden the person in the bed or the person at the other end is like smiling and they look happy. And it just, it's just as simple as that. Yeah.
1: I had one experience recently where we were at um, a hospital and my dog Rocco was allowed to um, get up on a bed with someone who was bedridden and he just laid there and put his head on their chest. And you could just see the feeling of peace that kind of came over that person and you know, how special that moment was for them.
0: So Anne, let's talk about this this very interesting and helpful concept called pet therapy. Is it a new phenomenon?
1: It's not a new phenomenon. The first reported use of animal-assisted therapy was at York Retreat in England back in 1792 by Society of Friends, which is a Quaker organization. Um, They were using animals to um, help emotionally ill people. Um, There was also reported use of them at in 1867 at Bethel Institute in Germany, pets were used in treatment for epileptics there, and they are still in use at that facility today.
0: Oh, okay. All right. So this has been around for for quite a long time, and I'm really glad that somebody in Chicago started a facility, the um, Canine Therapy Corps. Is that individually owned, or is it a company? It's a not-for-profit organization. Not-for-profit. Yeah, profit. so we're a 501c3 And any donations
1: made to us are tax deductible.
0: Outstanding. All right. Can we talk about the difference between a service dog and a therapy dog?
1: Absolutely. There's so much confusion out there between the two. Um, So therapy dogs have a very broad amount of training, and they are trained to serve a wide variety of different people. So a therapy dog will serve, you know, hundreds of people in their lifetime, potentially. Um, They typically go out with their owners who are volunteers um, to perform the therapy at places like hospitals, schools, social service institutions. Service animals, by contrast, are specifically trained to do something for one person to help mitigate a disability. So, for example the one you probably see the most is a guide dog for a blind person, but there's a huge amount of other ways that service dogs can be used. You can train a dog to um, alert a diabetic when they have low insulin levels or to interrupt um, an episode that a person with PTSD is having. Um, So really we like to say only imagination and resources limit us when it comes to how we can use, um, Service and therapy animals. Um, but that is the main difference. Service animals are trained to do a specific task for a specific person, whereas therapy animals are trained to help a wide variety of people. And also, service animals have public access rights because they are performing their job 24 7 for that person. They have to be with them all the time, which is why they're allowed to go into places like supermarkets or drugstores where dogs aren't normally allowed. Um, Therapy dogs, because they're not working 24-7, are only allowed to go places where they're specifically invited to come and perform therapy.
0: So just like if I'm on an airplane and I see a dog with an owner, like the one with the, you can tell it's a service dog because they're accompanying that person Yes, to, to help them. They're
1: usually labeled um, on their vests and it might have a sign that says, do not pet, you're not supposed to pet service animals because they are Working twenty four seven and that can be a distraction for them. Um, there is a third type of classification that you might see on planes, although that has been changing. Um, some of the the rules the airlines have have been changing. Um, that's called an emotional support animal, and they're similar to service dogs in that they live with the person they serve. Um, but as the name suggests, they're just there for emotional support, so they don't have to be task trained like a service animal does. Um, and really all you need is like a doctor's note that says you would benefit from an emotional support animal. The only reason most people get this designation is because, um, landlords have to provide, um, special accommodations to pets if they don't normally allow them, if it is an emotional support animal.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, on the male clinic side, that's a good, thank you for those, um, clarifications by the way, because there is a difference. Um, and, you know, that you make a good point because if a service dog is trying to guide somebody that's blind or has some type of, you know, like diabetes, you don't want that dog distracted. That's something good to note for anybody listening, that if you do see a service dog, not to distract the dog, pet it, and take its attention off its owner. Good. Thank you. Sure. That's something, Can I add something yeah, else so- that I
1: learned recently? Of course. Of course. That information. Um, yes. I learned recently that if a service dog approaches you and is without their owner, you are supposed to follow them because the owner is likely in trouble and the dog is trying to lead you to where they are. Oh, look at that. So if you see a, you know, a labeled service dog that's approaching you, just follow it (laughs) to to wherever it's taking you.
0: I would have never thought of that. Is there any, are there any other tips that you would want to share with us just to make us aware of pet therapy dogs or service dogs?
1: Um, Those are the main ones that I can think of right now. Um, as I mentioned, you, you shouldn't pet service animals. Therapy dogs, you generally, you know, are there to be petted, but it's always still good to ask the owner before you start to approach um, just to make sure that, you know, the vests can look similar and, you you know, they might not be labeled clearly. So it's always good to ask a person before you approach their dog.
0: Very good. Um, on the Mayo Clinic site, they uh, there's an article that talks about pet therapy as um, saying that animals are healers. And it said that some of the people that can really benefit from pet therapy are children having dental procedures, people receiving cancer treatment, people with cardiovascular diseases, dementia, even anxiety. Mm -hmm. So I guess if we address anxiety, because that's kind of like a broad symptom with people, especially since coronavirus happened, uh, I guess when you pet the dog, those that that emotional connection is just like calming.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a sense of calm, a sense of acceptance. Dogs have that, you know, they're non judgmental, um, which can be really helpful for a person who is in a situation of illness or um, cognitive decline. Uh, that non judgmental aspect can be really powerful for them.
0: Has working at canine therapy core changed you at all? Has it made you realize anything about people or dogs, or do you have any strong feelings about the value of dogs or have you been touched by your position at uh, canine therapy core?
1: Absolutely. Um, 100%, as we mentioned earlier, I have, um, a therapy dog and the bond that forms between us when we work together is extremely powerful um most dogs only get to explore their house their backyard maybe around the block and my dog as a therapy dog gets to go into so many different places it's so life enriching for him um and it really brings us together because I get to see that joy that my dog is giving back to people so it's it's a fantastic experience um and I wholeheartedly believe in the power of therapy dogs to help people change their behavior um, because that is how I got into this job. I was working in a corporate marketing job that I never really was passionate about for about 10 years after college. And when I got my first dog, um, I was just so inspired by how many you know, different places that we went. We went to training centers. We went to dog boutiques. Um, there's tons of rescues around the city. And I just realized I would be so much happier if I could do something working with dogs. So I started taking classes for dog training and behavior. And I got really lucky that this job opened up and needed the skills that I had and was working on at that time. So when I heard about how they use dogs to help people change their behavior and further their therapy, it resonated so deeply with me because that is what happened to me. My dog helped me get out of a career rut and do something that was meaningful with my life.
0: Oh, that is precious. And uh, and it really speaks to the audience of Kefi Life because when you harmonize your mind, body, and soul, you should do something that fuels you. You should use your time purposefully, but also joyfully. Not to say that each day will be easy or fun, but overall, if we go to a place where we know we're making a difference and we enjoy the work and we enjoy what we're getting back out of it, but look, you, even yours takes it further. Your dog is helping, you're helping. That's what dogs do. Yeah, Your dog has given you that joy. You've received the joy from your dog. It, this is a deep thing. People that don't have dogs, it's it's kind of hard to wrap your head around it until you experience it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But, but I kind of did a rant there, but or a ramble, but truthfully- That's what is so joyful about what you said is that you got out of something that wasn't suiting your needs or making you feel fulfilled. And you found something that now does fulfill you, which means you will shine even brighter in the world and bring more joy to other people. That's, that's really what a strong community is all about. If you ask me. Yeah, absolutely. So good for you. Good for you. So if somebody were to be interested in, um, this concept of pet therapy, how would you advise them to connect with you or the facility?
1: You can go to our website, um, c-t-c-o-r-p-s.org. And um, there's a whole section about our training services. If you're interested in volunteering, um, if you're interested in getting pet therapy, we have a form you can fill out to request an event. Um, I will say that, that it is tough for us to provide services to private individuals. Uh, Most of our services are provided in conjunction with a facility that we go to and bring the dogs to in kind of a group setting, um, which we think is important for that, as you mentioned, community building aspect of it. Because when you bring the dogs in, people talk to each other, people open up, you know, especially in a place like a school or nursing home, they're talking about their dogs at home and suddenly they've made a new friend that they wouldn't otherwise have.
0: They're probably good. What are the types of facilities that would contact you? Like a school, a nursing home, a rehab center? Yep.
1: Um, Hospitals, um, social service institutions, like uh, for example, a substance use rehabilitation facility or a family recovery center. Um, Those are generally the types of places we serve. Um, And we serve, I would say um, three main groups of participants, people in physical therapy, For, you know, because they've suffered an accident or a chronic illness, uh, people who are recovering from mental illness, such as PTSD or substance use or abuse, um, and children with autism. And the really cool thing about our organization specifically is that we take pet therapy one step further um, instead of just providing dogs for comfort, which we do some of, and of course, dogs are always going to be a comfort. Um, We do goal-directed therapy where we try to use the dogs in exercises that are designed to help the person reach their therapeutic goals faster. So for example, in a hospital in physical therapy, um, if a person had a stroke and was struggling to use the right side of their body, uh, we could have them throwing a ball for a dog using that arm or giving the dog hand signals that they could follow. Something that will work on those, on their mobility, their flexibility, and their strength, but in a way where they don't even realize they're doing extra physical therapy because they're having so much fun with a therapy dog.
0: Oh, look at that. That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, this has just been so enlightening, Anne, and I, I really appreciate you taking the time to share with our audience. Um, the idea and notion and the opportunity and availability of pet therapy. If there's anything else that you'd like to share with the audience that you think people should know about, please um, do so now. Sure. Um,
1: I will just mention that we have our annual gala coming up on March 5th. If you're interested in, you know, getting to know our organization or just meeting some therapy dogs and having a really lovely night full of you know, dancing, drinks, food, silent auction, that kind of thing, Um, it could be a really fun event for you. So that uh, information is on our website. Uh, But again, that's March 5th and it's taking place at Revel Motor
0: Rail. And Davidson, it's been such a pleasure. Again, one more time, the website and a phone number if folks want to get in touch.
1: It's C-T-C-O-R-P-S and uh, 773-404-6467 is our phone number.
0: Thank you again. I wish you a wonderful day. You too. Thanks for having me. Stay right there. Up next, your weekly takeaway to keep it all as well. This Ola Kala moment brought to you by the Law Offices of Liston and Centilis, Ranked number one by the Leading Lawyers Network since 2010. Taking care of all your real estate needs. Ola Kala and all is well when you have some fun with your companion. Whether it's a sibling, a family member, or best buddy, find ways to bond by doing a regular activity together. Some ideas include starting a family friend book club. Pick a book that everyone is interested in reading and read it. Pick a day during the week when you can meet in person or virtually to discuss what you've read and share thoughts about the material. This book club will contribute to learning and be the impetus for great conversation. Scrabble is another activity, a super activity, to unite with and laugh with your best bud while playing a game which stimulates brain health. Win-win there. Moreover, group cooking is an innately human action to be enjoyed by all. We all need to eat, and sharing the preparation and presentation of a nourishing meal meets intrinsic necessities. Make it all as well, Ola kala, when you unite and bond with your companion. Kiki Vale is the founder of Keffy Life. She is passionate about whole person wellness and living a fulfilled life. Her Keffy Life podcast is created to simply and naturally help you harmonize the mind, body, and soul the Greek way. Visit KepiLife.com at keffylife 365 on Instagram, and check out Kiki Vale on LinkedIn and on Twitter. Join us again next time for more positive energy and inspiration on Keffy Life.